Hey, it's Lacey Broussard, and this is the Multi-Orgasmic Mama podcast. From sex and motherhood, birth and relationships, communication and intimacy building, and Taoism and Tantra, we explore topics such as self-care, self-pleasure, body image, jadex, the feminine cycles, creativity in business, and modern spirituality. The Multi-Orgasmic Mama is a place to come for true stories and transformational advice on how to be a mama and a multi-orgasmic woman too. Hi, everyone. This is Maya Young that we have today, and she is a health coach, and we're going to talk about all about what it means to be a radiant woman. And Maya, I'm just curious, uh, could you tell us a little bit about your personal life and what you do? Sure. I live in Falmouth, Maine with my two kids. I've got a little boy who's five and a little girl who's eight. And I've been in the Portland, Maine area for, uh, I think, 12, almost 13 years. And I just love my community. I've got a really tight group of local friends that love and support each other, as well as local entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs. And I just, um, I feel like I am finally figuring out who I am. And it's good. Wow. So, and you're finding out who you are, you became a health coach, right? Yes. So how did that happen? Well, I, I actually graduated from University of Maine with an environmental management and policy degree. And so I did environmental consulting for eight years and on the side did some real estate investing with my former husband. And then once my daughter was about 18 months old, I quit my environmental consulting job to do real estate full time. And I did that for about six or seven years. I had my real estate license and then also did investments. So like flip properties. So, you know, picture buying, you know, a really rundown house and then fixing it up and selling it. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was, I did it because of the flexibility. It wasn't a passion of mine. And then I just was feeling lost. And so I decided to really dive into some self-development and just taking care and nurturing myself and kind of networking and talking to like-minded people. And I ended up finding the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and that's where I got my certification in health coaching at the beginning of this year. And as soon as I found that program, it was like, okay, this is the thing that's missing. Because I actually, when I first went to University of Maine, I went into the nutrition program, but I didn't, I didn't stick with it because I didn't want to, I was a dumb 19 year old, no offense to any 19 year old, but I was like, oh, I don't want to stay in school another year and do another year of chemistry, you know? So it was like, it was so silly. So it's, an, it's been an interesting like circle back to where, you know, to the beginning of if I had listened to myself, you know, back almost 20 years ago, then it would have been maybe a little bit easier path, but you know, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> I totally relate to that. Yeah, I have a biology and chemistry degree and and a, a master's in environmental science as well. So yeah, we're very uh, yeah. we have the the similar educational backgrounds, and yet right. we both do nothing of the sort. Right. <laughs> exactly, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm curious about your uh, relationship. You said you 
you were married at the time that you had your kids and you kind of followed your husband's path a little bit. Mm -hmm. And what, what kind of was the point where things were getting a little off and you're like, eh, I don't know if I can do this anymore. You know, what was going on at the time? Please? Sure. Um, well, we were both working full time in real estate investing and I would say <laughs> he, he left his full time job like almost a year after I left mine. So my daughter was like maybe almost three and it was good for that first year, like the novelty of working together and the excitement of the properties and that sort of thing. And then I got pregnant with my son and things started getting a little harder. You know, I was tired. I was pregnant trying to, you know, when you're doing real estate transactions, there's a lot of moving parts, especially like I was acting as the real estate agent for the properties we were buying and selling. So it was kind of like an extra dynamic and an extra stressor, but there was definitely like this shift of um, loss of respect on his end of me and of expecting me to do all these extra things and not really acknowledging the work that I was doing. And then on the other side of it, I think I was resenting that, <laughs> you know, I was doing, I felt like I was working my butt off, but not getting any, you know, benefit of it because we were actually doing quite well, but still like, you know, behind closed doors, there was just a lot of negative energy there. Um, so when it started feeling less, <laughs> less desirable, having that flexibility of, of working from home and my son was home with me for the first year of his life before I sent him to daycare. And having that, you know, I would like, I'd bring him to, to real estate auctions, you know, in the, in the carrier and he'd just sleep through everything. And he was this little like angel dumpling baby. And, <laughs> and that was all really beautiful, but it started shifting to being like, you know, kind of dreading when my ex would come home, you know, of like enjoying that freedom during the day. But then the reality of having to interface with, you know, be in a relationship with the person that you're also working with full time was really challenging. Yeah. Look, I admire you for trying, honey, because I could never do that. <laughs> and um, I will never do it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My husband's a real estate agent as well. And every now and then he'll say, Oh, I'm going to work from home. And I'm be like, Nope. No, you're not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it does not work very well. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I admire those that it works for, but you know, it just yeah. didn't work for me. Right. I know. One, one of you needs a separate space for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So when we were talking before, you were telling me about how you kind of felt like you had just lost yourself a little bit. And I'm curious about that. Well, I think there's a couple different layers to that. There's the layer of becoming a mom. When I was pregnant with my daughter, I remember feeling really nervous about being able to bond with her because I'd never thought of myself as kind of a naturally maternal person. Like I never really like, I babysat, but I didn't really like it. <laughs> Yeah. I don't typically like other people's children, <laughs> but I knew that I wanted to be a mom and I knew that I wanted to be a mom of more than one child because I was an, I'm an only child. And so that was like, you know, a lonely child. So, um, so anyway, I remember being really 
you know, nervous about that. But then when she was born, it was this like intense love that I like, I never wanted to be away from her again. So there was this like, this thing where I would think maybe I was just grasping to that. You know, I did go back to work when she was 12 weeks old and it was really painful. So like when I was with her, I just wanted to be with her. So I kind of like, you know, I, on, on my half of the relationship with my ex, like I definitely like put being a mother and my relationship with my daughter way over him, you know? And then, so then there's that other layer of like losing myself in the relationship where I kind of have a history, not just with my previous, with my previous marriage, but like with, with men in general, like losing my identity and what I should do. You know, I got into the environmental field because that's what my dad did. And then I got into real estate because that's what my ex wanted to do. And then I tried working with my designated broker within my real estate company. And it was another cycle of like just really negative behavior. So, you know, I kind of lost myself in motherhood where I didn't take care of, you know, I, it was just like, take care, take care of baby, take care of baby, crash, do it again. And while I loved that, I definitely like lost my connections with my friends and family and those things. And then losing myself in the relationship where I wasn't doing, I wasn't listening to what I, I needed or what I wanted in my heart or what made me happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it happens to so many women and so yeah. unconsciously. Just yeah. Like you don't even realize it's happening until one day you wake up and you're like, I have no idea what I want to do, which is why I think empty nest syndrome is like a thing because Absolutely. sometimes it takes moms that long to realize that they kind of left themselves behind 20 right. years ago. Right. And then they're like, all of a sudden they have all this time and they're like, Oh my God, I don't even know what I like anymore. Like, I, I don't even know. <laughs> I have no passions. Like now I have to find them. And exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. how, how do we prevent that from happening? <laughs> well, how did you come back to yourself? and have those realizations that, oh, wow, I, I should probably start paying attention to what I want more. Right. So for me, I think I, I was seeing really, you know, I was seeing this pattern with my previous relationship of it was getting, it was tumultuous. It went from, you know, like whatever, like quarterly fights, you know, we weren't ever the type to like bicker regularly. It was like a, a very big cycle up and down. So it went from like quarterly to like monthly to weekly, you know, so it was getting really tumultuous. And I was really feeling like I needed to not be working with him anymore. So then I stopped working with him thinking, okay, I'll still stay in real estate, but you know, work with my designated broker. And again, it was very tumultuous. And I was like, all right, Maya, like, you got to take a step back and just take care of yourself. So I started seeing a therapist regularly. I went to heated yoga like two or three days a week and in the car, you know, with real estate, you're, you're driving a lot. So in the car, I literally listened to self-development on repeat, like Byron Katie and Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay and Christian Northrup, all, all those people. And, and every time I would like hear something different. And then I also started doing a morning routine um, 
because I I really hadn't been taking care of myself. I'd just been um, kind of my ex-husband would do kind of whatever he wanted to do while I took care of the kids and didn't do anything for myself. So then I started, you know, taking that time in the morning to nurture myself. And that just like all of that kind of self-care just gave me the space to be like, oh, well, this is what I, I like. <laughs> like this brings me joy because I had completely lost that. I had lost complete sight of that. I had um, put all of that on the back burner. So, you know, when I'm working with clients, I am just all about self-care and preventing that. You know, I love working with, you know, people that don't have kids yet because it's like, okay, let's, let's set this foundation now where you know who you are. Yes. When you have your baby, you can, you know, take your maternity leave or you can take a year or you can go back to work part-time and all those things, but still have this foundation of like, okay, honey, you take the baby so that I can like do X, Y, and Z that are essential for my existence <laughs> so that I can be the best mom and, and partner or in, and you know, whatever it is that you do. Yeah. That's so important. Yeah. Yeah. Having, uh, I've, I'm a doula and those postpartum appointments, you know, they hear you, but they don't listen to you. <laughs> you know, right. we go over how to take care of yourself in postpartum and having a postpartum plan. And so many women just think like, it's just going to happen. We'll figure it out. Right. And then they end up with postpartum depression or, you know, they're really unhappy and, mm -hmm. you know, they don't, they don't know how to take care of themselves. So I love that you're working with women before they even have babies because having that foundation of this is how I can support myself instead of seeking outside for somebody to take care of you and then not say anything about it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and then not even like know how to ask for what you need. And, and we just like expect that people should know how to help us or something. And Right. Right. And then there's the guilt of asking for help or needing help, you know, like feeling like you can be this super mom when you're yeah. running on, empty, you know? Yes, totally. So I'm curious about what self-care means to you because that is such a general term to, and it means, because it means something different to every person that right. you talk to. So what does it mean to you? So for me, it's, I have a morning routine and an evening routine. So in the morning, I know this is one of your, one of your questions, so I'll go ahead and answer it. But my morning routine is meditating and I journal and then I work out, working out. So really, it's always been a really big part of my life and it helps me really relief, relieve stress. And then the journaling is an outlet for whatever's going on in life. And then meditation is just that like kind of essential quiet time. And then in the evening, that sets me up for my morning routine. So in the evening, I do an Epsom salt and lavender oil bath. And I read usually in the tub or I'll meditate in the tub depending on, you know, what I'm feeling. And then I try to also journal. So those are kind of like my repeat things. And then there's kind of, you know, the weekly or monthly things, you know, like every week I'll do a facial and 
at home and, you know, getting that time to see, you know, schedule time to see girlfriends and even like one-on-one, like uninterrupted time with my kids, that can be self-care of like, leave the phone in the car or at the house and just like be with them because that time where you're like completely undistracted is so powerful. And then also just white space because I found, and I've found even more so, you know, now that the kids are in school, this like constant hustle that all of us moms are dealing with. And it's like, all right, hurry up, eat breakfast, hurry up, gotta get on those. Okay, gotta bring you to school. Hurry, you know, it's just like constant like hustling. And then, yeah. And then there's like some sort of like weird guilt that you like have to schedule all these after school things for the kids. And it's like so unnecessary. Like I was able to actually, I had set up my daughter to do um, an art class in tennis this year after school. And I was like feeling super stressed about it. And I was able to just sit down with her and say, Hey Ava, like, what do you think about just doing one thing? And she was like, Oh, okay. Let's just do art. And like, and it works, you know, she's happy. She doesn't feel bad about like not doing tennis. She just like, just having that conversation and like having, you know, cause we do have split households. So they're with their dad two afternoons a week. And then they're with me. So, cause I was like, wow, I'm like, we're not going to have any afternoons at home where she just gets off the bus. So being able to like listen to that and provide that white space where it's just like, oh, we're home. Let's go on a walk. And it's completely unplanned and natural and just going with what our bodies need in that moment. Yeah, I love that so much. I have four kids and it's almost impossible to have one of those evenings where you have nothing going on. But I find that Mondays, it generally happens, but we only have two of them home on Mondays. So we don't have all four of them. <laughs> so I, I get so envious of, of those, those afternoons where you can just stay home and, and do nothing. Oh my yeah. goodness. Like, so but the more kids you have, the more it just becomes impossible. But I love the, the idea of, of scheduling white space, even for myself during the day, mm-hmm. uh, because I have a morning sexuality practice and meditation practice as well. And if I don't schedule it, it does not happen. Like it just doesn't. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I totally get that and the value in it. Um, either, you know, just making it for a self-care practice or I'm going to lay here on the floor and do nothing. And that's my self-care for the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've done that too. Super interesting. Yeah. Um <laughs> So I'm curious about your meditation practice. Do you do guided meditation or you just... Well, I do a mix. Um, in the mornings, I, I was uh, trained in transcendental meditation a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So in the mornings, really with transcendental, transcendental meditation, you're supposed to do 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening. Um, it just doesn't work out for me. Um, so I do... 20 minutes of silent meditation in the morning. So I have, I use insight timer and there's a timer so that, cause I find that if I don't have a timer, then I'm like wanting to check the clock all the time. So it defeats the point. Um, so in the mornings I do the silent meditation and then in the evenings I'll do a guided meditation, whether it's 
you know, a sleep meditation if I'm in bed, or sometimes I'll do um, a loving kindness meditation or a forgiveness meditation, you know, whatever, feel, whatever I'm, you know, pulled towards in that moment. And then another thing that I would love to do more regularly is a guided meditation to transition from my work day to, you know, kid time. So just even, I, and I've done, I do it irregularly, but, you know, even just like a five, 10 minute guided meditation, just to shift my energy from like the work mode to not being distracted and just being able to be present with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I know you're single, but for those of you that are listening that have um, a partner, having that transition between being, you know, a mama to, you know, becoming a lover is really important too. But I love that you pointed out with your kid, because I never would have thought of that. <laughs> like the transition between work to kid, mm-hmm. you know, kid time. I never actually thought of that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's super helpful. Cause I find like, I know with my work now, I, it doesn't feel like work because I love it so much, but I find that I'm like so involved that if I, if I don't make that mental shift to being with the kids that I'm like thinking about the things that I need to do for work. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So what do you do in particular to make that transition? Um, I mean, really the, the meditation is the thing. And okay. I also do, um, when I'm going to, cause I always have to pick up my son before I pick up my daughter. And so I'll, I tend to be listening to self-development or something like that mm-hmm. while I'm driving yeah. or just music or, or even like if I'm feeling anxious about, um, the transition with their dad. I'll just do like a, um, just say like a mantra, like let it go, or this is, this is, I'm excited to see my children, you know, and like have that focus on, on that. And then doing like a four, seven, eight breath. So like you breathe in for four, hold it for seven, and then release the breath for eight. And just doing that breathing can really reset your nervous system. So just little things like that, that are, you know, just tools that are in my toolkit that depending on what, what my energy level is, you know? Yeah. Gotcha. Awesome. So I'm wondering how all of these, um, all of the self-care and all of the, the morning and the evening routine for you, how has that really grounded you in self love, self acceptance and self worth? Because that's where true radiance comes from. It comes right. from an inner game, not from getting your hair done not from getting a mani-pedi for all you ladies out there that is not radiance radiance (laughs) is something from within. So how, how does, does all of that translate to a greater self-worth? Yeah. That's been a huge, huge lesson that I've learned, especially the past year with the work that I've done is that the happiness and the radiance is some, it's an inside job because so many people, especially in the society we live in are looking for it from outside. Like whether it's a relationship or a, a car or a thing or clothing, jewelry, whatever. And that's the thing is it's just taking care of yourself and feeling good within and then it will spread that joy everywhere. So 
I mean, I think, I think having those routines have really made me more in touch with myself and more aware of my energy and what I need in, you know, from moment to moment and, um, being kind of unapologetically able to reschedule something if it's not feeling good, you know, if, if I really need to like go to a yoga class instead of whatever, have dinner with a friend, like it's okay because that's what my body needs right now. And my friend is going to be much better off with me going to yoga class so I can release my stress than, you know, for me to be there and anxious and not, you know, and have that energy of not wanting to be there. So I think just really like having that awareness and being gentle and easy on myself and where I'm at, you know, and there's so many other circumstances that are affecting us, you know, so the happiness comes from within, but then there's all these outside circumstances with your relationships, with your cycles, with the, with the moon, with the, with the seasons, all of the things um, that are out of your control. So just really focusing on what you can control is such a huge and powerful tool that I've learned, especially in the past year. Yeah, I've been practicing that too. <laughs> with the living by the moon cycles and your own menstrual cycle, it's super powerful mm-hmm. yeah. to, to tap into that. I don't have to keep doing more and more and more to be successful. Right. And what we measure success by and, you know, all those things, like there's some end goal or end thing. Mm-hmm. And success isn't only measured by the end thing. Absolutely. So that's, that's a personal journey I'm on right now. Myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, what has all of the, how has all of this affected, uh, your relationship with your daughter? I'm, I'm just wondering how, how you incorporate all of this and teach her these things too, because having a daughter, I think is a super special gift, especially growing up in this time and age. Um, Well, I mean, I think when, when I first started my morning routine, it was really amazing because within that first week, my daughter was like, mom, I like you better when you do your morning routine. So I mean, that in itself is like, I'm modeling that behavior for her. And like, she, she will work out by her, she's eight. And she'll be like, can I turn on a workout video? You know, while I'm making dinner or whatever. And so I think I'm just modeling that behavior. So I hope in time she'll start, you know, having a meditation practice or, you know, whatever, journaling. And, you know, she sees all the things. I don't hide it from her. If I have, if I'm having an emotionally hard time, I communicate that with her and let her know that it's okay. And same thing with my son. I mean, I think that's a total epidemic right now of men not having any connection with their emotions. It's really really sad. But, um, and then, you know, I think again with the whole cycle thing, like I've gone, I've done a couple classes. Um, one, one last summer was, uh, about raising a sexually healthy children. And so I've bought a couple books like for it's for both children, but it's completely age appropriate learning about bodies and that sort of thing. And I got her a book more recently that she, and she loves them. Like she reads them. And then she tells her friends at school, like, my mom got me this book that talks all about your body. You should tell your mom to get it. You know, like, 
it's so cute. Like she's giving them advice about like zits, you know, like they're starting oh. to get zits in third grade. And like, it's just like, okay, all right, I'm doing this, like I'm doing okay. And, you know, and I think that like showing her those tools and modeling that behavior has really helped to ease both kids with the transition to, you know, living in kind of a split household situation and trying to also let them know that like this situation is not because of them like they're loved by both parties and it's just better off this way and they see that they see that both their dad and I are happier apart and so therefore we're all happier you know yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Okay, so you're gonna have to tell us the name of that book because I know that that's a huge, um, a huge question that mm -hmm. mo moms ask me all the time about. Well, what do I give? How can I teach my kids how to be sexually whole? How to right. remain sexually whole? Because right. you're already born sexually whole, yeah. uh, but how to remain that way in a culture that shames and guilts us for our own bodies right. and our own sexual urges and right scares the crap out of us to be honest right absolutely yeah um yeah so the the books about um the raising of sexually healthy children i know so there's three different books and i can't remember off the top of my head the the author's name but she has three different books you know like one's four and up one's eight and up and one's like 14 and up or something and one of them is like it's not the stork and then yeah. another one is it's perfectly normal. And then I can't remember the last one because my kids aren't like in that range. It's actually just sitting in my closet for like when that time comes. And then the book about bodies is it, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I can look it up after we're done and you can put it in the show notes if you want. But yeah, um, it is it's by American girls. It's one of those. It's a series or it's a certain author I can't remember exactly but it's fantastic it has different chapters on different you know it has talks about breasts and it talks about periods and it talks about all these different things and, and those other books about that um, you know it's not the stork and the other one um, they talk about different types of families and how you know sometimes there's two dads and sometimes there's two moms and some, you know and and that's okay and I think it's beautiful to set them up. Like I know that the, the woman that did that course um, where I learned about those books, she, um, she talked about that it's, it's never too early to start talking about because it's so healthy. Like I know that it was like a completely ignored in my household. Like you just don't talk about that. Yep. And so there was a lot of learning on my own and I want to set my kids up for a different, a different scenario. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. And actually now that you say the name, uh, it, it's not the stork. I have gotten my kids those books too, and they were at our local library and I live in, in the deep, dirty, swampy South and <laughs> Louisiana and we have them. So I know they have to be everywhere else. Yeah. So yeah. for those of you, wondering just look up in your library you know sex ed books for um for children because yeah. it's so true that they need to be having these conversations right. with you and 
you know, if we actually talked about these things, you know, the rape culture that that's going on right now would not exist. It just wouldn't. Uh, and that's honestly why I think that it's, it's so bad right now because we refuse to talk about it because right. there's so much shame and guilt in our own bodies and our own minds that we can't even have a comfortable conversation with our children about it. And that is a crying freaking shame. Yes. So talk to your kids. <laughs> Sorry, this is a topic I'm really passionate. No, about. I completely, I completely, completely agree. And, um, and, and again, it's, I'm trying to raise, I have a boy and a girl and I want them both to be equally educated and equally taught about what, what respect is on both ends because it is, it's an epidemic where you just, it's everywhere of, of, um, you know, complete disrespect and whether it's of yourself or other people and it, it, you know, through education, hopefully we can, you know, slow it down. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, um, I'm wondering that if anyone listening today, it feels like, wow, I so resonate with Maya feeling like I've just kind of done everything that the men in my life have done. I've kind of gone along with them and just kind of supported them. But in the whole process, I felt like I've denied a part of me. Like, what would you suggest them to do? What would be your number one suggestion to kind of help uh, reconnect them with their own aliveness and passion inside? Well... I mean, I think that a big part of it for me has been like having healthy boundaries and having that awareness of like, what is you and your identity and what is them and to just not be afraid to speak your truth. You know, like if there's obviously like in relationships, you have to, there's, you have to be adaptable. Right. But at the same time, you can't do everything for everyone else. So if something like I know for me, I really, before I, you know, make a decision or say yes or no to something, I really like, you know, take some time to think about how that makes me feel. Does that give me a stomach ache? That's probably a sign that I should just say, you know, maybe we can find another activity to do that we enjoy together or, you know, things like that. So really like being focused on like boundaries, whether you're saying yes to an activity or a thing or taking care of yourself and ask it, you know, like I need help and being like being assertive on what your needs are and what fills you up because you deserve it. And if you don't say anything, nobody's going to know that it's a problem, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I have one more question for you. Okay. So if you could give one piece of advice or tip about being a multi-orgasmic mama, what would it be? I would say put yourself first. You know, I think so many of us just put ourselves on the back burner until we feel like we're drowning and it's not fair. It's not fair to us. It's not fair to the people that love us and our communities and all those things. So just put yourself first and it's okay because believe it or not, when you do start putting yourself first, people understand. I mean, I've, 
I've had these conversations where I'm, I'm, I am assertive and saying what I need or how I feel, and it feels really like scary. And then the conversation <laughs> is like, okay, sure, no problem. And you're like, oh my gosh, I got myself all worked up. Uh, it was nothing. It was nothing. Like it was completely respected. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. I totally get that. Awesome. And yeah. it translates to the bedroom too. Okay. Uh, so, Absolutely. Being a multi-orgasmic woman means that, you know, you're going to have to learn how to speak your needs and your desires. And, and the bedroom is one of the hardest places to do it. So doing what, what Maya just suggested, you know, asking for what you need outside of the bedroom first is a really great transition that it's because it, it's easier. It's easier to do that. And then to be reflected, Oh, okay, no problem. And then once you build confidence in that, you can build the confidence to ask for what you need sexually as well. Because yeah. it's one of the most vulnerable states we're in. So Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Maya. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Yes, definitely. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye.